Well, I've got a, an important question for us to consider as a background to what I'm going to share today. And that is, would you like to make a big impact on our world for Jesus? I hope your answer is yes. <laughs> but uh, we may hesitate because we may feel that up to now, I'm not sure I've made much impact. And uh, is it really going to change? And uh, we might hope, but we don't necessarily see it always happening uh, as we would like or when we would like. But uh, leaving that aside, um, one of the reasons, as we'll see later, is that we're often stuck in our humanity and our weakness. But uh, if we are to have a, a fresh impact upon the world, we need a fresh vision. Without a vision, the people perish. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about three aspects of that vision that we need. But the most important is we need a fresh vision of Jesus. And that will help us, our reading will help us very much with that today. As we take a journey up the Mount of Transfiguration uh, with Peter, a real mountain, a real place, uh, uh, and uh, uh, it's almost certainly Mount Tabor, which is still there. And uh, uh, Jesus takes three men up the mountain, Peter, James and John. And when they get to the top, uh, there are three men there that uh, two of them seem to reappear from nowhere. Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And there is a light about them and uh, it's a, it seems to be a heavenly experience. And uh, uh, Jesus, uh, so, sorry, Peter, rightly says, wow, thank you for bringing us here, Lord. It's really good for us to be here. And he's right. Wonderful experience, isn't it? Well, he starts well and then he begins to go off track. <laughs> um, well, let, yes, if you wish, we'll put up three shelters. One for you. One for Moses and one for Elijah. And we'll have a, have, celebrate this heavenly trio and uh, stay here as long as, we, as long as we can. And maybe you're training us, Peter, James and John, to be the next earthly trio to, to take all this out to the world and change it. I'm ready for that. So I'll just soak here a little bit longer with the three of you and we'll be ready. But we, we just don't want to go down from here. This is really good. Uh, around this point... Um, God decided, right, we need to move Peter on from here. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a bit stuck in himself. He's also a bit stuck in some other things. And so a big cloud comes down and hides everything. Uh, if you've ever been up on top of a high mountain and the clouds come down and you can't see anything, it can be a little bit scary, <laughs> just in the natural. But then in, 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 in that cloud where you can't see anything, suddenly hear this booming voice saying... <laughs> This is my son. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. No wonder they were terrified. <laughs> that was all they heard. But God is saying something very important to them. Because when the cloud lifted, who did they see? How many people did they see? Only one. When the cloud lifted, they looked up and they saw no one except Jesus who would just come and touch them, say, get up, don't be afraid. And they were back with their Jesus that they'd been following. But from now on, they would see him in a new way. They had had a fresh vision of Jesus. Uh, 
What was it that uh, God needed to move them on from? And by the way, it didn't happen all in one go. Well, here's one thing that he needed to move them on from. And that was that uh, Jesus is just another one in a line of what God is doing. From Moses, who brought the law, through Elijah, and the work of the prophets. And now Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is a line of all these uh, uh, people sent from God. No, he had to help them to see that actually Jesus was the only one that came down from heaven. That's why he was transfigured before him. I know Moses and Elijah kind of appeared from heaven at this point, and that's all a bit of a mystery, that is. But they were, came from the dust of the earth, didn't they? And yes, they were called by God. Uh, God gave Moses the law, and uh, uh, he, he also gave words to the prophets. And we don't have a lot written by Elijah. We have lots of other prophets who wrote things in the scriptures. And Peter writes later, uh, you know, these, were, these men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's very important. But now when he's looking back, when he writes the second Peter, uh, uh, when that account is there, he says, we have now the words of the prophets made more certain. What he's talking about? What's he talking about? We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, his glory, that he was not just some human being that we're expecting to be the Messiah. He was God. He was God. And that was something they were not quite prepared for. <laughs> Nobody was prepared for that, really. It's kind of, it's kind of sit, 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 sitting there in Isaiah, isn't it? He'll be called Everlasting Father, Mighty God. You remember that? Yeah, so it's the words are there in the prophets. But nobody had really understood them until he had that fresh vision of Jesus transfigured into his heavenly glory. He was from heaven and uh, even Moses and Elijah only came from the earth. And we need that fresh vision of Jesus to be able to be empowered to be what we are called to be. Uh, yes, man had to try and uh, 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 had to fulfil the covenant of Moses. The law came through Moses, but now they didn't need to sort of keep talking to Moses and keep talking to Elijah about what they had to say, uh, because actually we need to stop trying to fulfil the Mosaic law. They tried for a couple of thousand years to do that, and they failed. Have you noticed that Jewish people were never able to fulfil the Mosaic law? Uh, they just kept falling away from it again and again and again. But there was one who fulfilled the Mosaic law and his name was Jesus. But only one. He's done it. Don't try to do it again. <laughs> Don't try and earn your way to heaven by seeking to obey all the commandments, however you interpret that in whatever way. It's been done. Don't try to imitate it. The law came through Moses. Grace came through Jesus Christ. What we need is grace. God's riches at Christ's expense poured into our lives, not to go back to trying to follow the law. Yeah, we can summarize it and show what God's like, that we need to love God and love our neighbor and be filled with his love, but we need the grace to be able to do that. We can't do it. We need to see Jesus and Jesus alone. So that's the first thing they needed to move on from. Uh, but uh, they also needed to move on from seeing uh, that uh, uh, Jesus 
uh, was, was, yes, he was a man, but um, uh, I went to a, a very unusual men's meeting yesterday. Um, uh, most of the people there were ex-convicts or uh, um, in, uh, in, in rehab or, and so on, but they all loved the Lord Jesus, or most of them. Certainly by the end they did. A lot of them put up their hands for salvation when Jonathan Conrath got preaching. Um, but it was, uh, it was a very interesting conference. I went with three, three others from Bushbury, only up in Stoke. Uh, but an amazing ministry that's got going there where they, people who come out of prison, they'll go into community for a year or two and meet with Jesus and see their lives transformed. And if you want to hear real worship, hear worship from some men that have been in the gutter and they know just how important it is to focus only on Jesus. Many of them have said, Jesus is our only hope. And Jesus is the only thing that could rescue us from all that rubbish. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things Jonathan Conrath pointed out, uh, which I've not kind of seen before, you may have heard something about Jesus being the second Adam. Have anybody heard that one? Yeah. Well, he said, actually, that's strictly not true. Uh, it, is, it is strictly not true. If we uh, just turn up for a moment, a little bit of teaching. Um, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to turn it up anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 45, in the middle of that passage about the resurrection, uh, it says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. God breathes life into Adam, and we share in that life of Adam. But the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. doesn't matter if we don't have it up there. He wasn't the second Adam. He was the last Adam. He was to put a, an end to the way of trying to live in Adam and fulfill God's requirements as Adam. But he did that. He was the true man that lived as man was intended to do in fellowship with God as Father. And along the way, he completely fulfilled the law of Moses. But uh, he did all that Adam was really required to do that Adam failed in. But he's the last. He's done it. So, but now, uh, he has become a life-giving spirit. And so he started a completely new era. Since the cross and the resurrection and the giving of the spirit, uh, we, we've, we notice that in verse 47 it says, uh, the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. And say the second Adam was from heaven. Oh, no, 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 no. He was the second man. He was the last Adam. He was the last of that old order of, of humanity. But he was the second man, the true man. But where did he come from? From where? Heaven. Ah. He came from heaven as a life-giving spirit. To give the life of heaven to you and me. He was the firstborn of the new creation. Yes? Not the old creation. And this was part of what Peter had to begin to get. That this Jesus is actually from heaven. And he's bringing in a new life from heaven. And the new creation is from heaven. And at the end, when all the new creation is fulfilled... The new Jerusalem will come down from where? Heaven. From heaven. And your kingdom come from heaven. Here on earth as it is in heaven. And our trouble is like Peter, we are too earthbound, aren't we? 
So that's the main reason we don't have any impact for Jesus is we are too earthbound and we live like Adam or we try and fulfill the law of Moses but we haven't got this revelation that our life now is hid with Christ in God, in heaven but not just to stay up there and oh I can't wait to get up there I mean hopefully you do want to be in heaven to be with Jesus forever but no, like Jesus we need to see that life coming down into us afresh as Jesus came down from heaven for the sake of this world. So let's have a fresh vision of who Jesus is, but I'm also beginning to say we need a fresh vision of who we are. But before we get too carried away in that one, uh, we, uh, we need to probably, like Peter, have a, a, yes, a fresh vision of who we are, and that not means we are God's representatives on this earth. No, the first thing you need to know is the bigger your vision you get of Jesus and of God, the smaller you realise that we are. Um, an interesting thought from another uh, guy called Matt Murray, who I'd not uh, heard before, but um, uh, he's a, a pastor, in, a young pastor in Utoxita. I'll mention him later. But uh, he said, uh, uh, he believes, I'll have to check this one out, but if you go through three of the letters of Paul, uh, at, at one of his earlier letters in Corinthians, Paul says, I am the uh, least of the apostles. He considered himself to be not worthy to be an apostle because he'd been a real big sinner killing and arresting Christians. But then, uh, later on, in a later book, he writes, I am the least of the saints. So he seems to have a bit of a lower position of himself. That he's not just the least of the apostles, the leadership band, he's the least of the saints. And then, nearer to the end of his life, when he's writing to Timothy to pass things on, he says, I am the worst of sinners. So maybe what's going on here is as time goes on and he gets more and more vision of Jesus and the power and the, everything that he does, you know he did miracles and raising the dead and, and churches planted all over the place, the more and more he went on, the more he thought, I'm a man of unclips, unclean lips who live among a people of unclean lips. This is not me doing this. <laughs> this is Jesus. I'm not worthy of any of this. But Jesus is. Yeah, his humility increased the more he had a vision of who Jesus was. And that's why God could keep using him. Uh, and that's why God eventually got to use Peter. As long as he was too proud and I'm going to follow you wherever I go, God could not do anything with him. Once he'd been brought low through his denial of Jesus, right, now we can begin to work through you. So we need a fresh vision of ourselves, having had a fresh vision of Jesus, the second man from heaven, who lives in us. If you have invited him into your heart, the man from heaven, Jesus, lives in your heart, giving a life-giving spirit by the Holy Spirit. And that opens up to us and that incredible new reality. Uh, an illustration that um, Jonathan Conrath gave of that uh, was... Um, uh, when he was preaching in Serbia, he's been all around the world preaching, he's, he's, he's an evangelist. And, uh, um, he said in one of his meetings in Serbia, uh, he was struggling with his, he'd been doing meeting after meeting after meeting and his interpreter was getting really, really tired and uh, he kept making mistakes. And in the middle of his meeting, it was in the snow and minus 29 degrees in Serbia and the, they were all with big coats and the big, a tall man with a big coat walked in and sort of sat on the front row. And every now and then he'd start correcting the interpreter and say, no, 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 you've got the wrong word there, it should be this, oh, look at this word, it should be this. And eventually the interpreter sort of got fed up and said, well, 
that, do you want to come and do this? <laughs> so, so he swapped over and he came up and Jonathan Conrad said, he was the best interpreter I ever had. You know, everything I did, the actions, he did the actions. All the words, he just seemed to get them just completely right. And he just got, he said, well, this is amazing. And then he did as he did, as he got called for, uh, you know, for prayer and then called for salvation. And when he got to call for salvation, would anybody like to be saved? Suddenly the interpreter went quiet. He couldn't turn tape. He said, excuse me, you've been hearing the gospel. Can you just ask him if you want to be saved? He said, well, can I be saved? He said, <laughs> he said I thought you were a Christian. He said, no, I just walked in because it was cold. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, cut a long story short, uh, he got led to the Lord. But um, Jonathan Conrath has, uh, has a clear view on these things. He said, I wanted to make sure that nobody got hold of him and told him that he couldn't do things, certain things and mess him up. So he said, within a short time, he prayed with him to get him filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, right, now you're going to pray for the sick with me. So uh, he got him in the lines and, uh, and praying for the sick. And there was some, uh, uh, he did an, uh, uh, he, God did an amazing miracle through Jonathan Conrath. And he said, right, now you're going to do the next one. Deaf man here, right, you're going to do the next one. And he prayed for them and they got healed. And he'd only just given his life to the Lord. He'd only just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because who was doing the miracle? Him or Jesus in him? Jesus in him. It's only by grace that we do this stuff. We don't deserve it. We don't have to be a two years preparation. In the men's group they said up there, we tried the two years preparation program before we get people doing things. Didn't work. <laughs> you know, can we just as good at the beginning as after two years? I mean, they still need a lot of work, you know, some of those guys. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's Jesus in us. And if we can get that fresh dependence uh, on him, uh, we will see the world changed. Uh, but the other guy who spoke to us, um, who actually gave me the three points of the sermon, I confess, I got them from him. Uh, I, I kind of half heard him on the UCB radio, but I had no idea who he was. I thought, oh, that's the guy. He only just came to give a little mission seminar to some of these men. There were just 30 of us. He only came for half an hour. But um, it turns out he goes all around the world um, uh, uh, doing incredible things and uh, he's got us um, he's got thousands of children in Kenya uh, in, 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 in Sunday schools uh, learning the gospel and he said I've just got back from the uh, not very long ago I went off to the Afghan border to rescue some children from the Taliban or from going to slavery in the Taliban because they like to kidnap them and take them away and, uh, uh, and when he was in Pakistan he gave one story. He said, um, some of the, the, the Christians there said, we want you to you come and see a brick factory. So well, why would I want to come and see a brick factory? But when he went there, he saw there were nine-year-old children that were lugging around these bricks. Uh, some of them were Christians, because Christians are considered to be second-class citizens, but some of them are just, just poor uh, Muslim children. And it was, life was terrible for them. They had juvenile arthritis from what was going on in, the, in, in their legs. And it was terrible. There were hundreds of these children in brick factories there. And this, this guy sort of said, uh, you know, do you think you can do anything to help them? And he asked the Lord, and he said, what do you need? Said, well, I think it will to do a proper project to really get them going and share Jesus with them and begin to rescue them. I think we need probably 200,000 pounds. He said, okay, Lord, do you want me to do this? Yes. Okay, I'll do it. Didn't have a penny to his name. <laughs> but he just learned, if God calls you to do something, doesn't matter you don't need anything really except Jesus and his faithfulness and he went on to tell the story I won't uh, give the details but he'd already mentioned about 
uh, somebody in the back of a meeting that had just sort of written out a check for fifteen thousand dollars for something else when he needed sixty-five thousand for something else, and eventually uh, she gave the other fifty thousand as well. And uh, 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 um, she said, "Oh, you can contact me any time," but he didn't just ring her up any time. But um, uh, at this point, uh, somewhere after the one time, I just thought, "Well, I'll give her a ring," and. Uh, she paid for all the balance that was left of that £200,000. And so they're now in those brick factories. Don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're trying to reach those children for Jesus. And uh, he's just a young guy with, a, with his wife in Utoxeter. And I was, I was impressed that he was happy to come and just spend his time just chatting to these broken men. You know, for half an hour, just they were like his mates, he said. It's like these pastors that get airs about them that don't want to talk to anybody and you can't get their phone numbers and whatever, you know. So just make sure I, I know I'm only an ordinary bloke. He used to stutter when he was young and he, he could hardly speak and he bore the shame of that in, in school until his mother prayed for him and his voice came back. And now his voice is always used to share about Jesus. He said, I've never forgotten what it felt like to be like that, the worst of sinners. Well, there's some stories for you. A bit of food for thought. <laughs> But uh, uh, particularly the last one, uh, he's one of the kind of people that will change the world for Jesus. But he's the one that shared to us, we need that vision. And the vision we need is a fresh vision of Jesus. He said he used to go and preach to the sheep in the fields for a long time before anybody knew who he was. He was just that passionate about Jesus. Had some great times out there, but it just kind of, he needed to get to spend that time with Jesus, being passionate about his love for Jesus, passionate of the need to prepare for whatever God wanted him to do. Uh, but then he needed a fresh vision of himself. It's always about Jesus in him and not anything that he can do. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But the third thing we need is what he clearly had, which I find it hard to get, is a fresh vision for the lost and the thousands, the millions out there that don't know Jesus. But he discovered that through a little guy like him, and his wife and one or two others, they can impact 10,000 kids in Kenya, thousands of kids in Pakistan, because they simply believe the man from heaven is living in them and he's still doing the stuff that he did when he was on this earth. Would we like a fresh vision of what he can do through you? So let us pray.